What's up, y'all? It is set. No, it's not. It's actually it's Sunday, and you don't know what that means. Well, there was a Saturday night dynamite. So instead of the doing doing the show on a Saturday, here we are on a Sunday. But I'm still your boy. I'm still the tribal chief, Jeremy Pearson. Welcome to the High Risk Wrestling Podcast, ladies and germs. Now. I'm going to try to make this a kind of an abbreviated show. Um, I'm still a little tired. Uh, I don't want to be late for church. <laughs> I'm be a little bit late for church. But I got you. I got you. And guess what? We are actually going to review Raw today because, surprise, Raw wasn't super horrible. But for now, you know what's next. Just go on and hit my music. Now, that was my bad. I forgot to tell you one thing. Uh, last week, we looked at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, which leads into today's fine show of uh, WWE wasting event matches. And you you know, if you've seen Hell in a Cell this weekend, you know exactly what I mean. But before we get into that later on the show, how about we go over some of the news? And it was a slow yet unsurprising week so first things first bailey got a lot a lot of love for just how well she looked at her hell in a cell match not not like physically as in you know her looks but she's a steady hand she's one of the best women's wrestlers on the planet and is consistently good and she helped helped bianca along in that match bailey is great Bailey is great. Cassie Lee, the former Peyton Royce, said after watching the match, if Bailey isn't your favorite wrestler, you're wrong. Bailey carried this company throughout the pandemic era and was their star, their biggest star. Bailey's great. Now onto some not some great news. Damian Priest is out either with an injury or something that's undisclosed. My man has just disappeared from tv and i thought he would have been u.s champion by now um hopefully everything's all right with him and when he does come back he will end up being u.s champion because you just can't let all of that good fortune you had with him and bad bunny go to waste sonya deville's stalker has been released um he's no longer in police custody but there's a restraining order against him uh he's free and we'll see what happens um hopefully everything goes well i'm look i'm, I'm hitting y'all with some more shitty news so apparently joey janela is a cute and uh, nut uh he was at some school board meeting with drake wirtz he was wearing some disguise and he was just being an overall all-around dickhead i am very very 
very disappointed in Drake. And there's some other really shitty news that really doesn't surprise me. The Bella Twins, um, there's a video of them coming out from 2013 of them on the Joan Rivers show or Talk Super or whatever, completely trashing and just being the horrible, nasty, disgusting people that they are talking about China. So I totally believe the reports that nobody likes the Bellas, that nobody liked them, that they were bullies and they tried to get their way. Like, think about this. The only reason the Bellas had their own show because nobody wanted to be with them on Total Divas. The Bellas are trash. The Bellas are trash. Period. You go out and disrespect. See, I expect that from Joan Rivers. You guys are in the industry. And at 2013, China was still alive and going through her troubles. You don't dis you don't disrespect a legend like China who paved the way for your spoiled asses. And some better news. AJ Lee has wrote a Wonder Woman comic book. Part she's part of the 80th. Uh, anniversary of Wonder Woman and she promoted her new book this week which is great um, I miss AJ man <laughs> we all miss AJ we, we really really miss AJ um, and some more sad news I should just put all the sad news first Super Genie Melissa Coates has passed away at the age of 50 if you do remember her she was commonly attached to Sabu throughout his career um, she entered a pro wrestling world training under Killer Kowalski um she signed with WWE in 05, but it really didn't work out. She appeared in the Master Lock Challenge, had a stay in OVW, and that was about it. But well wishes to her and her family. What else we got? Uh, <laughs> so WWE's been testing out some of the NXT guys on the main event. Uh, more specifically, Braun Sarid and Karrion Cross. And Karrion Cross was on NXT on main event, right? He looks bland, and I've been trying to tell y'all that this dude is bland, and he's just not great. So the WWE is trying to erase his main event entrance off of social media. It's too late. It's already out there. I bet you if I go on Hulu and go on main event, you'll see his entrance. And without the smoke, without the mirrors, and mind you, he entered the ring without Scarlet. He's just another big generic dude. Adam Cole was right. They got to make you look and feel special. Clash of Champions. Uh, the date has been announced. It'll be Sunday, August 26th in Columbus, Ohio. And this is the one pay-per-view, quote-unquote, where every championship is on the line. Um, this will probably come after the draft, but we'll see. And some really ignorant, not ignorant, but just obviously stupid news. Uh, according to Tucker, the WWE did not want to put Mandy Rose with him and Otis officially. And I'm just like, huh? Why? It worked. It was one of the top storylines during the pandemic, and it worked. The WWE does not know how to get out of their own way. These guys are fucking stupid. And now Tucker's gone. Otis is a heel when he has no beard. Mandy Rose was tag teaming with Dana Brooke. Uh, Trent had neck surgery. Um, don't know how long he will be out. Uh, 
you just had neck surgery. Neck surgery is very, 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 very big and important. Um, a WWE writer admitted that she had no knowledge of professional wrestling. Um, she she admitted this in in an interview with who was she who was she I don't know. who was that interview with I don't know, but it said that WWE officials were embarrassed by by this and believed that the mission made the company look blindingly stupid. Well. Most of you in the company are blindingly stupid. And guess what happened? She was released. Kenise Mobley was released. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say to this. I don't. Um, speaking of releases, there were a lot of releases this past week, and they were mainly NXT and 205, 205 Live releases. So, released were Tony Nese, Aria Davari, Ever Eyes, Kurt, uh, August Gray, <laughs> Brizango, The Singh Brothers, Marina Shafir, Killian Dane, Kurt Stallion, and Arturo. Ruas. Oh, and Tino Sabatelli, who's released for the second time. So this kind of just gutted NXT. It gutted 205 Live. <laughs> I know Triple H does is not happy about this. But what 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 are you gonna do? WWE going WWE. We'll see how they recover from this. Uh, they have a lot of guys in the Performance Center. You know, there are gonna be people being called up to. The main roster. I really want to see what they're going to do with 205 Live because this was most of their roster. So we'll see what happens, but I'll be back with our week in review. And yes, I will be reviewing Monday Night Raw. going a few weeks without reviewing Monday Night Raw. Here we are. Uh, let's just let's just go into it. So the show opens up with Lashley and MVP having a celebration. He's got his ladies with him. Kofi comes out. Xavier comes out. They have a toast. MVP and Lashley do, do this thing where they keep trying to make fun of Kofi and tell him that he's a clown and there's this, there's this whole thing that to be a champion you've got to be serious and that's just fucking not true. So Kofi challenges uh, Lashley to, for a t- title match at Money in the Bank. He accepts. And then Lashley wants, Kofi, wants Xavier in a Hell in a Cell match for later in the evening. This will play into our story uh, later in the night. Ricochet beat AJ clean to qualify for the Money in the Bank match. Shocking. There were, actually wasn't a distraction finisher. Um, Asuka and Naomi beat Eva Marie and Piper Devin. I'm not calling her fucking Dewdrop to qualify for the Money Bank match. Asuka never got into the ring, and Piper didn't help Eva Marie. She was dropped off the apron. So I think they're they're actually going to be smart and make it that Piper uh, is smarter than what she's putting on, and that she doesn't like the name Dewdrop because Dewdrop's a dumb fucking name. Uh, and some not so shocking news on Raw: Charlotte gets another title shot. Another one. What's that, DJ Khaled? Another one. I bet you this is where Charlotte wins. I. 
I bet you this is where Charlotte wins. We have a rehash of when Bailey won Money in the Bank. Charlotte wins, and then she immediately loses the title to whoever wins the Money in the Bank, which will probably be Alexa Bliss. Just throwing that out there. Um, John Morrison beat Orton to qualify for his Money in the Bank match. Nikki Cross is now a superhero. And she teamed up with Alexa Bliss to defeat Shayna and Nia to, for them to qualify for the Money in the Bank. So we've already got four women on Raw qualifying for the Money in the Bank. And guess what? They were all tag matches. Sure. Uh, Matt Riddle beat Drew McIntyre to qualify for Money in the Bank. Bobby Lashley in the main event beat Xavier Woods in a solid Hell in a Cell match. And then after the match, they still him and MVP beat up Xavier some more about locking Kofi out of the ring. That was raw. Those were the important things. I, there's nothing crazy happened, so we just got a, a bunch of money to bank qualifiers. Oh, and there's still no Bray Wyatt. I'm gonna give Raw a C plus this week. Uh, over on NXT, Adam Cole was coming out for his match to choose his opponent. He said, "No, you got to see me." Carmelo Hayes came out and did uh, you know, some ruthless aggression, slapped Cole, and uh, they had a nice little match. But you knew Cole was gonna win, and Cole won. Uh, Io Shirai and Zoe Stark beat Aaliyah and Jesse Kamea. Uh, Aaliyah and Jesse will probably be leaving the Robert Stone brand soon to join up with Frankie Monet because we need a female faction. We we do. They wouldn't allow uh, Vanessa, Chelsea, and Santana to be one, so let's just get one at NXT. NXT can pull it off. Uh, after the match, Shotzi and Ember, Raquel, and Dakota all came out to make their claims for for the number one contendership to the tag team titles. There was a big brawl. And next week, we'll get a uh, triple that tag team match to determine a number of contenders to face the way at the Great American Bash. The way, the male uh, part of the way, defeated only Larkin and Danny Birch. Um, not Danny Birch, Pete Dunne. It looks like the way might be faces for a little bit. Well, maybe Johnny and uh, Austin Theory. But we'll see. Because after the match, uh, what's that boy's name? Karrion Cross came out and knocked out. Johnny so looks like Johnny might be the next challenger and backstage we've got Pete Dunn and Karrion both confronting Joe and still they don't want Pete Dunn wants the smoke from Joe you know that Karrion Cross don't want the smoke from Joe hit uh Frankie Monet beat Electra Lopez I'm in love with Electra Lopez Frankie looked good here Electra got some moves in but she'll she'll be a star hit row beats Everize and then um Two days later, Everrise was released. There are big things popping for Hit Row. And in our main event, Kyle O'Reilly beat Kushida in a non-title match. It was very good. After the match, Kyle O'Reilly and uh, Adam Cole fought to the back. And then the Diamond Mine struck and they took out Kushida. The Diamond Mine is led by Malcolm Bivens. And he will be managing Roderick Strong, Tyler Russ, and Hideki Suzuki. We got a new faction, y'all. So we've got Hit Row and we've got the Diamond Mine. See, I thought the Diamond Mine was going to be like a little brand, but that's okay. I'm fine. Malcolm Bivens, you have to use this guy. And it sucks. Roderick Strong makes his, makes his comeback debut and then his wife gets released. Drake Maverick, his partner, Killian Dane, gets released. Uh, Nikki Cross gets a new gimmick and then her husband gets released. <laughs> this company is fucking ass backwards. 
Over on SmackDown, Jimmy wants to prove that he's got Roman's back after Jay, who still has not returned. Uh, that he's got that he's got Roman's back. Jay said he hasn't coming back, and Roman's like, prove it. Seth and Bailey beat Bianca and Cesaro. This was cool. This was fun, but this is more 50-50 booking. Um, this was just having a rematch without having their actual rematches. Seth wants to be Roman's next challenger. This is very, very, very interesting right here. Shinsuke is the one true king. Corbin is dejected. Face turn for Corbin? We'll see. Big E beat Apollo Crews to qualify for the Money in the Bank. Um, I know these two have fought a lot. This was just a way to get Big E into the match without him actually defeating Cruz for the IC title. Carmella just gets put into the Money to Bank match, whereas Liv has to beat Carmella to qualify for the match. And the only reason they did this is because the SmackDown women's roster is kind of small at the moment. Um, SmackDown has Bailey, Bianca, Carmella, Liv, Natalia, Mia Yim, who still has not debuted, Sasha, who's out right now, Sonya and Tamina. Sonya's not wrestling. They need, they need more. They need more women. Whereas NXT, I think, I think it's time to call up Tony Storm. And I think that's why she's been out. I, I think it's I think it's time to call up Tony Storm to the main roster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. Well, we got a performance center. Anybody that I know of? Uh Catalina, Electra Lopez. And uh, LaRock's daughter. Okay. Okay. Uh, that was a tangent. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, Uso beat Ziggler to prove himself, and he wanted to show, you know, let Roman know. Heyman told him to fall back. Roman comes out to celebrate, and Edge returns. He's got a little bit of muscle on him, got a little bit of fat on him. He's trying to kill Roman. He almost gave him a concerto. Jimmy made the save, but then Jimmy got taken out, and Ed, and and Roman ran like a little bitch. Roman, no, he fucked him. I'm gonna get SmackDown to B this week. Over on AEW Saturday Night Dynamite, which is why we got the show today. Uh, Sammy's about to interview Sean Spears system with a chair. Then we got our first match of the evening. Which is, you guessed it, involving Hangman Adam Page. Page takes on Powerhouse Hobbs and he wins. This was a good match, actually. This was a, this was a, this was a, this was a good match. There's still some infighting with Team Taz as Ricky and Hook came out to give uh, Hobbs the, F, the FTW title. And Cage wasn't having it. What else we got? Tully, Blanchard, and Conan had a face-to-face. They kind of spit at each other. And Tully got the upper hand. So Conan thought, you know, he assumed that Tully was going, you know, have a plan, which he did. He brought out Santana Ortiz, but <laughs> Tully's like, look at the screen, dog. Santana Ortiz was laid out, and it was actually come uh, in the ring with them, FTR. And they gave Conan a spike power driver. So this is not done. <laughs> 
Matt Seidel beat Dante Martin. Um, the Pinnacle were interviewed. And by that, I mean Hager. Not Hager. I mean uh, MJF, Spears, and Wardlow. They were attacked by Jericho and Hager. They got the upper hand, taking out Jericho and Hager until Sammy came out and made the save. And Sammy will be facing uh, MJF next Wednesday. And Dynamite goes back to his regular time and day. Ethan Page beat Bear Bronson. He challenges, after the match, he challenges Darby to a coffin match. This would be very, very interesting. Chris Statlander beat the Bunny. Love seeing these two wrestle. Um, TH2 and the Blade knocked out Orange Cassidy after the match. And in our main event, Kenny Omega retained the AEW Championship against Jungle Boy. The Elite and the Hardy Family Office lays out Christian who tried to make the save. That was a really good match. Um, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Dynamite this week a B minus only because it was an okay show. I just I <laughs> Ethan Page versus Bear Bronson, Matt Sidon, and Dante Martin really didn't do it for me. They were solid, but we need Dynamite to get back to Wednesday. Matches of the week. We have four Hell in a Cell matches. In three days, and only one of them. We actually no. We have more than we have four uh, matches of the week. So we're gonna go with the SmackDown Women's Championship: Helen Cell, Bianca versus Bailey. Over on NXT, Kushida versus Kyle O'Reilly, and over on AEW, Hangman Page versus Powerhouse Hobbs, and the AEW Championship match: Kenny Omega versus Jungle Boy. Actually, I picked uh, picked Jungle Boy. When I thought Jungle Boy was gonna win, but that's it. That's the weekend review. We will be right back. Folks. So, 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 here, 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 we are. <sighs> Last weekend, we had the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. It's an event that I'm very, very tired of seeing. And I'm tired of seeing it for one reason and one reason only. And that is, it's overused it's been done to death so with that being said today's story is it is it is the WWE wasting and overusing event matches I don't have like a a sexy title I'll figure it out when this is over with but they have essentially killed a lot of matches and we'll just start with the Hell in a Cell match so when the Hell in a Cell was first introduced the first match being in 1997 October 5th Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker it was something special it was Brutal. It was something not seen before. 
and it meant something. It meant something. Now, right off of the rip, it didn't... <laughs> the, the WWE knew what they had, and immediately, immediately, they... They tried to overexpose it. So the first, like I said before, the first Hell in a Cell match was October 5th, 1999. This took place at Bad Blood in your house. The next Hell in a Cell match, ready for this, happened on Raw. And it wasn't even really a match. It was more of a segment, a 10 minute segment. Taker and Stone Cold defeated Mankind and King. So, yes, it was a match, but... The next Hell in a Cell match took place at an actual pay-per-view. Taker, Mankind, we know about this one. King of the Ring, 98, we know about this one. So, there are... (laughs) Not even done. That match took place June 28th, 1998. Two months later, we had another Hell in a Cell match. Guess what? On Monday Night Raw. Mankind and King. So within a span of one year, there were four Hell in a Cell matches. Now, back then, during the Attitude Era, there was a lot of aggression. Things were always heated. But in one year, we had four Hell in a Cell matches. Now, I'm not against doing multiple Hell in a Cell matches, but the storyline has to call for it. Right? So... After those four matches in one year, there was the next one was Taker Big Boss Man. One of the worst Hell in a Cell matches ever. That few really this attitude era shenanigans, right? Let's go to the year 2000. There were two Hell in a Cell matches, but they were bookended one at the beginning of the year one at the end of the year the one at the beginning of the year i remember clear as day take triple h cactus jack if cactus jack lost you'd have to retire and then later that year at armageddon we got the six person hell in a cell match a classic see those worked because the feuds called for it and since then there, there was, actually wasn't a Hell in a Cell match in 2001, which was great. They actually took a year off. But since 2002, there has been a Hell in a Cell match every year. And let's, let's run through it real quick. 
So in 002, we had two matches. Triple H, Jericho. This was after their WrestleMania match. And we had Brock Taker. Now, Brock Taker took place in all October. Triple H, Jericho took place in May. I can, I can see Brock Taker happening in Hell in a Cell. These two kind of just had it. And then Triple H just decided almost every year to just to be in a Hell in a Cell match. Taker, take so the Hell in a Cell matches there they are they belong to Taker, and they belong to Triple H. Taker has fourteen appearances, Triple H has nine, and third is Randy Orton who has been in eight Hell in a Cell matches. Eight. <laughs> this is how CM Punk has been in five Hell in a Cell matches. Wow. Back to, back to my point. So there's been a Hell in a Cell match every year. And if it involves Triple H, you can almost kind of justify it being in a Hell in a Cell. Because his feuds were really brutal. But did, did DX take on Vince, Shane, and Big Show? Like, in 06? This match was supposed to be special. And it's been overused. Let's go to 09. 2009 was the first ever Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. So up until this point, they had been doing Hell in a Cell matches every single year. Right? So get this. The Hell in a Cell pay-per-view had three Hell in a Cell matches. Three. Taker fought CM Punk. Randy fought Cena. Again. And DX took on the legacy. Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase. Why was DX taking on legacy in Hell in a Cell? Why? The following year. 2010. Two Hell in a Cell matches. Starting to see a trend here. 2011, there were three Hell in a Cell matches, but one of them was a dark match. So let's go to the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Oh, yeah, I'm going to just breeze by that. There was a Hell in a Cell dark match on Raw. That went five fucking minutes. <sighs> Mark Henry Orton, Del Rio beating Cena and Punk. Now... The Del Rio one is only memorable because of The Miz and R-Truth attacking afterwards. Then we have... Uh, let me see. 2012, two Hell in a Cell matches. One at WrestleMania. One at the pay-per-view Hell in a Cell. Now, the one at Mania made sense as part of the Triple H-Taker feud. Um, Shawn Michaels, you know, thing. But seeing a punk ride back, Hell in a Cell? 2013, two Hell in a Cell matches. 2014, two Hell in a Cell matches. 2015, two Hell in a Cell. These are all in the pay-per-view. 2016, three Hell in a Cell matches. One at WrestleMania, two on the pay-per-view. And 
Does anyone actually remember Roman Reigns facing Rusev? Or Kevin Owens facing Seth Rollins in Hell in a Cell matches? Oh, I'm sorry, 2016 had three Charlotte Sasha. So I'm sorry, 2016 had four. 2016 had four Hell in a Cell matches. Three on one show. And at this point, the matches were diminished. They weren't bloody anymore. They had started to become weapons matches. There was no blood. There was maybe one big spot, but they've started to become, let's just put people in the cage and use weapons. 2017, two Hell in a Cell matches. 2018, two Hell in a Cell matches. And on and on. 2019, Two Hell in a Cell matches. You see, here's a trend. I'm sorry. We're back to the old trend. Hell in a Cell 2020. Three Hell in a Cell matches. And the show, that show only needed two. Because Randy and Drew didn't need to be in a cell. Roman J was great. Sasha Bailey was great. But let's get to 2021. This past weekend, four, count them, Four Hell in a Cell matches in three days. One on SmackDown, two at the pay-per-view, one on Raw. The match is meaningless now. And every year we've got to hold a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Every year. And we've got to somehow force feed a feud into the actual fucking match. It is now dimension. And now we get the stupid-ass Red Cell. What is going on? Somebody help me understand. Please. How about the Elimination Chamber? There have been. There have been 28 Elimination Chamber matches. The first one took place in 2002. So from 2002 to 2021. So that's almost 20 almost almost 20 years we've had 28 <laughs> chamber matches and again when we first had the match it felt special it was started out as a raw exclusive pay-per-view right and then by the time no way out arrived Excuse me. We just started getting chamber matches every year. And we were getting we were getting two chamber matches a year. Cause in 2010, the pay-per-view became the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. And since then, with except with, with the exception of 2016, because I'm I'm shocked. With the exception of 2016, we've had we've had A chamber match every year and the thing is they can't even do this organically and the match yes you have to be you have to adapt and evolve to make your things make your events more safer for the competitors but come on have you seen the chamber now the outside of the ring has padding the the chamber pots plexiglass not even actual glass 
and it's still a structure that looks great but how important is the match now it's dead it's dead I don't even remember a lot of these chamber matches anymore. I don't. It's getting to that point where with the chamber and with the hell in a cell, gotta take a break. One year, two years, maybe even three. Get rid of the actual event pay-per-view. Because now we won't expect the match anymore. So when it's announced, when it's announced, it'll mean something. Now I'm going to sound like a hypocrite here. War games. And we did a whole war game show. First war game match was in 1987. Since then, we've had 37 war game matches. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Ready for this? Working matches 1 through 31 were all WCW slash NWA. And they were just doing them. We went over this. So go back and listen to that show. We were getting like three to four working matches a year. A year. What? That is crazy. Now, when we move to the NXT part of War Games, there's, even though we know where the pay-per-view is coming every year, we're expecting the match, it always feels organic because what happens is NXT starts preparing those feuds months before the match. So the pay-per-view always takes place in November and last year's took place in late in early December. So late November, early December, right? They'll start preparing these feuds in September, even as early as early as August. Because it's a natural progression that these people are going to hurt each other and we need to contain it. So I don't I don't want to come off as a hypocrite when I'm talking about war games and then comparing it to Hell in a Cell and the Elimination Chamber, but I'm right. And it all goes back to the booking and who's in charge. How about the Royal Rumble? See, the difference with the Royal Rumble is it's an annual event. It's an event. And they don't do multiple Royal Rumbles in one year. It's happened, I think, twice. I'm trying to to see. I know there was like a fun little Royal Rumble on SmackDown. And then there was the one on in Saudi Arabia. So looking, let me see. It's a very remember what a house show in '88. There was a Royal Rumble, Madison Square Garden. Doesn't say what the event was. There's a tag team Royal Rumble episode of Raw. 
Um, let me see. Five man doesn't count. Four man. There's a yeah, There was there was three different Royal Rumbles, but there was a 15 man Royal Rumble held on SmackDown. Remember that. So they hold these special ones, few and far between. See, that's good. The match means something. We know we're getting two Royal Rumble matches, one for the men, one for the women, but it means something. I, I know for a fact that if we do a Royal Rumble at the at the pay-per-view, right, I'm not going to see another Royal Rumble match for another year until the next pay-per-view. But the difference is I don't have to force feed opponents. I don't have to force feed their roster into the match because we know what it means. We know that it's special. And that leads us into the last match. The Money in the Bank ladder match. The Money in the Bank ladder match. This... I'm going to put this in the same boat as the Royal Rumble. So we've had a money to make match every single year. And there was only one, let me see, 2010. 2017 is kind of an outlier. There's only been one time where we've had three money to make matches in one year. But this match also means something. This match is special. And we've gotten to the point which I I really love is that it's now been broken in half where, where it's the combination of both rosters. So the first few money the first money to bank match was raw only and then it was co-branded and then for two years, 2010, 2011, we all had their own SmackDown had their own. And, and it's been like that for a long time until we got to 2017 where the match was SmackDown exclusive once again. Now, once again, well, it came SmackDown exclusive. We got the first ever women's Money in the Bank match. And ever since then, it's been co-branded because the match is special and it means something. Now, qualifying who goes in the match, that's a different story, but you know what I mean. can't just do these things just to do these things i am sick and tired of hell in a cell i am sick and tired of the elimination chamber i i am because the matches are worthless now you 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 burned it to the ground how am i supposed to feel what am i supposed to do you help me understand What's the solution? The solution is simple, and I said it already. We've got to stop having the match. We've got to stop having the match. We've got to stop having the events pay-per-view. And just fall back, get our act intact. It's okay. It'll be okay. It'll be all right. Maybe start throwing us some blood. It's on pay-per-view. People have to pay to watch it. It's okay. 
If Impact and AEW can use blood, so can you, WWE. And they have sponsors just like you. Just like you. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's our show. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. I know it's a little weird listening to this on a Sunday. Me recording this on a Sunday. And now look, I'm late for church. But God God understands. I just got to do better with my schedule. Uh, next week's show. I think I'm going to do. Well, we got money debate coming up. So let's go with the worst money in the bank winners. And why did these dumbasses win? And I don't blame the wrestlers. But again, thank you. I'm your boy, Jeremy Pierce. Catch me. Catch me, catch me, catch me on Instagram. Charismatic underscore creations 52. Check out the new review for Fast 9. That'll go up later tonight. But for now, come back. I'll see you Saturday. And Anna J, we miss you. I miss you. I love you. Holla at you.